Welcome to the Word Encounter, episode 217. And we are in the book of John. We're going to finish the book of John and thus finish all four Gospels today. Um, We're in chapter 20, so let's get started. It says, the empty tomb. It says here uh, that uh, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb. Uh, She looked inside and saw that it was empty. And so she ran back to find Peter and John and told them that she came to the tomb, but she didn't know where they took the Lord's body. So Peter and John ran to the tomb. John got there first, and it says in verse 5, Stooping down, he saw the linen cloth lying there, but he did not go in. Then following him, Simon Peter also came. He entered the tomb and saw the linen clothes lying there. Um, the wrapping had been uh, the wrapping that had been on his head was not lying in the linen cloth, but was folded up in a separate place by itself. It says in verse eight, the other disciple who had reached the tomb first. <laughs> it's funny we'll find here. And John, and you know, John refers to himself as the one Jesus loved or the other disciple or whatever, but he's talking about himself. He says, the other disciple who had reached the tomb first also went in and saw and believed, for they did not yet understand the scripture that he must rise from the dead. So they're still not connecting the dots with everything that Jesus had told them with regard to what was going to happen to him. And so uh, for all they knew, he was crucified and he died. They weren't connecting the dots with regard to he had to die so that he could rise. Then it says, Mary Magdalene sees uh, the risen Lord. We're in verse 11 now. It says, But Mary stood outside the tomb crying. As she was crying, she stooped down uh, to look into the tomb. She saw two angels in white sitting where Jesus' body had been lying, uh, one at the head and the other at the feet. They said to her, Woman, (laughs) why are you crying? Because they've taken my Lord away, she told him, and I don't know where they put him. In verse 14 it says, Having said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there. But she did not know it was Jesus. So we see this is a common theme, right? When Jesus first appears to people uh, after he uh, after he died, they didn't recognize him. And it says, did he look differently, or were they or were their eyes blinded, you know, on purpose? I don't know. Uh, verse fifteen, woman, Jesus said to her, "Why are you crying? Who is it that you are seeking?" Supposing he was the gardener, she replied, "Sir." If you've carried if you've carried him away, tell me where you've put him, and I will take and I will take him away. And so she's looking at she's thinking, well, maybe this guy's the gardener, and he took the body. Where'd you take the body? Let me know so I can take him away. Verse sixteen. Jesus said to her, Mary. Turning around, she said to him in uh, Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. And so he, he must have said Mary in a way. Maybe, maybe he said Mary and then scales fell off her eyes or whatever. But when he said Mary, she now recognized him. But he told her, don't cling to me. See, she, she doesn't recognize, you know, I have to go so somebody else can come. So he's telling her, don't cling to me. Don't, don't cling to me. Since I have not yet ascended to the Father, but go to my brothers and tell them that I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Verse 18, Mary Magdalene went and announced to the disciples, I have seen the Lord, and she told them what he had said to her. Now, this is interesting in verse 18. Mary Magdalene was the first one to see the Lord, and then she went back and told the brothers what the deal was. The reason this is interesting is because Mary Magdalene, obviously, is a woman. And the testimony of a woman was not seen as credible in those days. 
And so we see here that a woman is being used in order to announce to the men that she has seen the Lord. And so if this were like a made up story, then that wouldn't be a part of it because they knew that women weren't considered to be credible. And so they would have said something else. Somebody else, you know, saw him and came back to report. But no, the testimony is true that it was Mary Magdalene who went back and reported what she had seen. The disciples commissioned in verse 19. When it was evening on the first day of the week, the disciples were gathered together with the doors locked because they feared the Jews. Jesus came, stood among them and said to them, peace be with you. Having said this, he showed them his hands and his side. So the disciples rejoiced when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, peace be with you. As the father has sent me, I also send you. After saying this, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. So Jesus is now giving the one that he promised would come when he would depart. He breathed on them, received the Holy Spirit. Now I am in you. See, I and the Father are one. I and the Father and the Holy Spirit are one. You and the Holy Spirit are one. We are all one. And then he says, if you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. So he is uh, granting them, uh, not, not only commissioning them, I should say, he is also equip, equipping them with authority, with power. But see, they can be trusted because they've received the Holy Spirit. See, So they can be trusted because their nature has now been modified. Their nature has been changed. Their nature is now holy. Thomas sees and believes. Verse 24, but Thomas, one of the 12, or of the 11, because Judas hung himself, <laughs> but Thomas, one of the 12, was not with him when Jesus came. So the other disciples were telling him, we've seen the Lord. But Thomas said to them, if I don't see the mark of the nails in his hands, put my finger into the mark of the nails and put my hand into his side, I will never believe. Now, this is important here because, you know, Thomas, this is where the phrase doubting Thomas comes from. But anyway, the reason this is important is because this is the typical response of man. I won't believe it until I see it. And even in the case of the disciples and the people who walked the earth in that region at the time of Jesus, it took them to see for them to believe. See, and so Thomas is doing nothing but saying what we would say. He said, yeah, you guys may have seen it, but I haven't seen it. Until I see it, I won't believe it. You know, so let's not get down on Thomas, because I think that would be most of our responses. Dude, raised from the dead, really? You saw him? You saw him walking again? Nah, I got to see this. I don't believe it. It sounds like a rational response. Verse 26. A week later, so Jesus had been, you know, after he had risen, he had been on, he had, uh, after he had risen, he had been on the earth for a little while because it says here, a week later, his disciples were indoors again and Thomas was with them. Even though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood, stood among them and said, peace be with you. Did he just walk through the wall, walk through the door? I guess. I don't know. (laughs) The doors were locked, but Jesus was in there. Verse 27. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here and look at my hands. Reach out your hand and put it into my side. Don't be faithless, 
but believe. Thomas responded, my Lord and my God. And so Thomas has seen now, yes, this is in fact Jesus, and he has in fact risen from the dead. And so Thomas's reaction is, my Lord and my God. Jesus's reaction is very important and pertinent to us. His, his response is critical to us. In verse 29, he says, because you have seen me, you have believed. But blessed are those who have not seen and yet believe. None of us have seen Jesus. We haven't. But he's saying, blessed are those, blessed are those of us who have not seen Jesus, yet we still believe. If we believe in Jesus, Jesus' own word says that we are blessed because we have not had the benefit of seeing him like those did at that time. We are blessed because we believe yet we have not seen. The purpose of this gospel, verse 30, Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples that are not written in this book, but these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and, uh, and that by believing you may have life in his name. And so the whole purpose of the gospel is so that we might believe that Jesus is the Messiah. And in doing so, we may have life in his name. That's the whole point. That's the whole purpose. That we might believe in Jesus. That we might have the audacity to believe who he says he is. And in doing so, we would have eternal life in his name. Let's go on to the last chapter, chapter 21. Jesus' third appearance to the disciples. Simon, uh, Simon Peter, Thomas, Nathaniel, um, and two other of his disciples were together. I'm going fishing, Simon Peter said. We're coming with you, they told him. They went out, got into the boat, and that night they caught nothing. In verse 4, remember Simon's uh, or Peter's vocation was as a fisherman. That's what he did for a living. In verse 4, when daybreak, when daybreak came, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples did not know it was Jesus. Friends, Jesus called to them, you don't have any fish, do you? Now remember, Jesus has already appeared to them, but he's standing on the shoreline, and they don't recognize him. They don't know who he is. Jesus says, friends, you don't have any fish, do you? No, they answered. Cast in that on the right side of the boat, and you'll find some. So they did, and they were unable and they were unable to haul it in because the fish, the number of fish was so large. The disciples, the one Jesus loved, or to say the disciple, the one Jesus loved, said to Peter, it is the Lord. Here, here we go again. The disciple, the one Jesus loved, that's John. So John is writing about John. John is referring to John. And so John is saying the disciple, me, uh, the one that Jesus loved, said to Peter, it is the Lord. When Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he tied his outer garment or his outer clothing around him, for he had taken it off, and plunged into the sea. We see that you know P Peter is very, very impetuous, right? He hears something and he just he just does it. He, he, he does, there's really no thinking about things with Peter, right? He just gets into it. When they got out on land, they saw a charcoal fire there with fish lying on it and bread. Bring some of the fish you have caught, Jesus told them. So Simon Peter climbed, uh, climbed up and hauled the net ashore, 
full of large fish, 153 of them. Even though there were so many, the net was not torn. See, to, to me, it's these little things that I sometimes notice in the Word. So even though there were so many fish, so many large fish, when Peter brought the net out of the boat, the net was not torn. What does that speak to me? That speaks to me that when we are following the Lord, when we are doing things of the Lord, we will be able uh, to do things and accomplish things that we never thought we would have been able to do. The things that we're using uh, to help us do things will do things and accomplish things maybe beyond its its ability. You know, I, I'm thinking of like a vehicle. You could have an old broken down vehicle and you're out there doing the work of the Lord and the vehicle won't break down while you're doing his work. And so there are things that are going on uh, that could appear to be, and maybe they are supernatural in nature, as we're going about the business of ministering unto the Lord. Come and have breakfast, Jesus told them. Jesus came, took the bread, and gave it to them. He did the same with the fish. This was now the third time Jesus appeared to the disciples after he was raised from the dead. Jesus' threefold restoration of Peter. This is really great. This is awesome here. And so, in verse 15, when they had eaten breakfast, Jesus asked Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said to him, you know that I love you. Now, let's unpack this a little bit, this word love. As I've alluded to before, when we see the word love in the Bible, that doesn't necessarily mean it means what we think it means. In other words, when we think of the word love, it involves affections, emotions, feelings, all that kind of stuff. That's not necessarily what this word always means in the Bible. When Jesus says, Simon, son of John, do you love me? The word there translated into love is agape. And that means a sacrificial type of love. You know, do you, do you love me even, you know, when it's going to cost you? <laughs> you know, when I need you to do something, when I need you to perform some task? Do you love me in order to obey me? See? Yes, Lord, he said to him, you know that I love you. When Peter responds with love, he's responding with the Greek word phileo. Phileo is a brotherly type of love that does include affection and whatnot. So Peter is essentially saying, you know that I care about you, Lord. You, 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 you know that, you know, you know we boys, you know we homies, you know I'm down with you, you know. And so Peter's responding in a different way than what the question being posed is, is, is asking. And so Jesus says, feed my lambs. In verse 16, the second time he asked him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Again, Jesus used the agape word, which is a sacrificial type of love. Yes, Lord, he said to him, you know that I love you. Peter responds with the same brotherly affection type of love. Then Jesus says, shepherd my sheep. He asked him a third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And this time he uses phileo, the affectionate type of love. Peter was grieved that he asked him a third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. So Peter responds in kind. Then Jesus says, feed my sheep. <clears throat> now, the other interesting part about this is that Jesus queried him three times. Do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? Peter denied Jesus 
three times before the rooster crowed. Do you know this man? No, I don't know this man. You were with him, weren't you? No, I wasn't with him. I think you know this man. And Peter started cussing. No, I don't, blah, 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 blah. You know, so here we see that Peter denied Jesus three times. Jesus asked him, do you love me three times? And so Jesus was taking Peter through a process, I believe, to restore Peter in Peter's own eyes with regard to how he felt about the Lord. Because I can imagine that when Jesus told Peter, you would deny me three times, and, Jesus, and Peter said, no, I won't, then he went ahead and did deny him three times. He wasn't feeling especially good about himself. He was probably feeling a lot of self-condemnation. He was probably very down on himself. And here Jesus is going through this process, and the process did exasperate Peter because he asked him three times. But I believe that this process was a process that was going to restore uh, Peter's faith in himself with regard to uh, his devotion to the Lord. And so, um, so Jesus said, feed my sheep. Now, I haven't found this in any commentary or anything, but the way I interpret this, the first time Jesus asked Peter, do you love me? And he says, yes, Lord. And then Jesus says, feed my lambs. And then the second time uh, Jesus asked Peter, uh, after Peter says yes, Jesus says, shepherd my sheep. And then the third time, uh, when Peter says yes, Jesus says, feed my sheep. Now, the way I look at this is feed my lambs. What is a lamb? A lamb is a baby sheep. And so feed my babies, Peter. You know, spoon feed them in, in, so that they can build up their strength and, 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 uh, and, and grow. You know, they can grow in the things of me. And then he says, shepherd my sheep. Okay, now, once they become adults, I need you to guide them, Peter, you know, to guide them, to help, <clears throat> help them navigate uh, the waters that are to come. And in that process, I want you the third time to feed my sheep. As you're guiding them, keep feeding them more, more, more knowledge, more revelation. Keep feeding them on the things of me. That's the way I kind of look at it as Jesus is responding um, to Peter's answer to his question. In verse 18, it says, Truly I tell you, when you are younger, truly I tell you, when you were younger, you would tie your belt and walk wherever you wanted. But when you grow old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will tie you and carry you where you don't want to go. He said this to indicate the kind of death Peter would glorify the Lord with. After saying this, he told him, Follow me. Tradition has it that the Romans uh, crucified Peter for his belief, for his faith in Jesus, upside down. And so I don't know if that's true. That's what tradition says. Correcting a false report, verse 20. So Peter turned around and saw the disciple Jesus loved following them. <laughs> Again, the disciple Jesus loved. So Peter turned around and saw John following them. When Peter saw him, he said to Jesus, Lord, what about him? In verse 22, John chapter 21, verse 22, we need to commit this to memory. It's not long. <laughs> and we need to remind ourselves this over and over and over again. Jesus responds. So Peter says, Lord, what about him? What about John? What's going to happen with him? In verse 22, Jesus says, if I wanted him to remain until I come, what is that to you? As for you, follow me. Jesus is telling Peter, look, what is John's fate and what his destiny is, is none of your business. 
is none of your concern. I mean, he's not saying this in an evil way or a snide way or a rude way, but it's, it's, it's not your concern. What your concern is, is to follow me. See, you don't need to be dabbling in anybody else's business, what they're doing, how are they doing it, how are they being blessed, how are they not being blessed. No, 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 no. That is of no concern to you. See, I got this, Peter. You know, I got this. this that's my concern. Your concern is to follow me. And then we drop down here to the epilogue. And it says in verse 24, this is the disciple who testifies to these things and who wrote about them. So John is saying, this I, John, am the one who is testifying to these things, and I am the one who wrote them down. We know that this testimony is true. And so John is saying, look, I witnessed this stuff. I'm writing this down. You should know that this testimony is true. And there are also many other things that Jesus did. If every one of them were written down, I suppose not even the world itself could contain the books that would be written. Jesus did way more stuff, way more miracles, way more works than were recorded. Remember, this is about a three or three and a half year period from when his ministry started until when he was crucified. And so during that time period, he did a lot of things. But we only uh, the only things that got recorded are what got recorded. And so those are the only things that we know of. But the word says here that there are many more that weren't written about. And I believe that because a three and a half year period, while it isn't, you know, obviously an eternity, it's a it's a decent period of time in which things can be accomplished. And so, um, you know, there had to be many more things that Jesus did, large and small. You know, so with that, we have completed the Gospels. And uh, I hope you enjoyed that journey through the Gospels. Tomorrow I'll be doing a summary of, um, of the Gospels and the purpose of the Gospels and how they relate to each other and, and that sort of thing. And, uh, and again, this is from my perspective, you know, which means it's how they've impacted me, basically, how I interpret them, how I see them and whatnot. But I'll try to give a good um, summary of, of the Gospels. And then we will start in the book of Acts. Some say it's the fifth Gospel. It's, it's, it's a slight continuation. Not a slight, it's a continuation, but there you have it. With that, remember that Jesus is always extending his hand to you, his hand to me, his hand to all of us, inviting us, come join me, come join me. The word says that if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, you shall not be put to shame and you shall be saved. When we think about the alternative, the question is, once again, one of belief. One of belief. Does one believe that the alternative to being uh, invited into and a part of heaven, does one believe the alternative, alternative is hell and eternal damnation? I believe that if anybody is in their right mind and if they believed that heaven and hell are actual places and that they in fact do exist, then everybody would choose heaven. The issue is most people don't believe 
that these places actually exist. And so therefore, they don't find it profitable to follow the things of the Lord. I happen to believe that they do exist. But everybody has to answer that question on their own. With that, we are done for today. Should God grace us with more life and more time, we'll see you tomorrow in the next episode, which again will be a summary of the Gospels. Everybody take care, be blessed, keep your eyes fixed on Jesus, and we'll see you then. Bye-bye.